What are the top youth trends that every ministry leader should be aware of today? David Eaton is our guest this week discussing what it's going to take to reach today's youth. It's all in episode 53 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Thanks for tuning in to episode 53 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host, and this week our guest is David Eaton. David is the founder of Axis Ministries. He founded Axis because of his passion to see the good news about Jesus transform students, families, culture, and the beautiful but broken world that we live in. Axis works to empower the next generation to think clearly and critically about what they believe and also to take ownership of their faith. And now here's my conversation with David Eaton. Well, David, welcome to the Churchler's Podcast. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, David, we wanted to talk to you today. You are the head of a ministry called Axis. You guys are working with high school kids. For those in our audience who might not know about Axis, tell us kind of what you do and how this ministry started. Well, Andrew, just imagine if C.S. Lewis and MTV, if they made a baby, (laughs) they would name their baby Axis. So... Access is a ministry that's, that helps start conversations between parents, faith leaders, pastors, and the next generation, and we want to see the next generation take their faith that they have now and build it into a lifelong faith. Mm-hmm. So our specialty is what we call culture translation, which is that C.S. Lewis plus MTV aspect, which really means that we keep our fingers on the pulse of the next generation and really help everyone understand the world that, the, that teenagers live in and also understand how the Bible and our timeless Christian faith applies to that. Mm-hmm. And so tell us how you do that. I know you, you spend a lot of time going out and um, spending time with kids. So tell us kind of how the ministry works. Right. So we spend a lot of time, like we've actually spoken to 150,000 Christian-ish teenagers face-to-face. And so when we speak with them, we don't speak at them, we speak with them. We send a team of millennials. So this is really millennials reaching millennials who speak in this peer mentor role. And so it's been fantastic because a lot of our content is all about technology and media and worldview and the Bible and understanding God's grand story for the world. But it also has this component of like what's happening this week in your world. What app just came out? What song just came out? What movie is shaping your imagination, which is shaping your world? So that's been amazing for us to spend so much time with the next generation to understand them. But what's been beautiful about that is being able to take that core competency of understanding culture translation, understanding the next generation, the way they think, and give these secret keys and nuggets and ideas to their parents and grandparents and to their faith leaders and their teachers so that they can have amazing conversations. Mm -hmm. Because my view of discipleship is not like, hey, we're gonna send a team and they're gonna speak for a weekend at your church. The event is amazing. It will shift the paradigms of students and teachers and parents there. But man, when you can help equip a mom to have a daily conversation or a weekly conversation about the calculator app or about the phrase Netflix and chill or about all of these different code things, it's awesome. Or especially if you think of a youth pastor or a pastor, It's like, we're your virtual research assistant. Man, I think it'd be so hard to be a pastor. All the hats you're wearing, all the pressures that you're under, how in the world are you going to stay on top of student culture? Well, you're not, but we can do that for you in just like three minutes a week. So even one of our resources that we love so much, it's called The Culture Translator. If you go to axis.org, A-X-I-S dot O-R-G, it's a weekly email that just says, here are the three things that happen in your kid's life this week. It's a three-minute read every Friday. 
you read that, you're going to be able to start some amazing conversations with the students at your church. Mm. And we'll put a link to that where people can sign up in the show notes for this episode. So let's do, drill in on that. I know that um, when you think about discipleship, I, I feel like that's a shift a little bit to think about how do we do discipleship in the context of families. Um, you know, I grew up in the church and it seemed to me like I didn't hear the word discipleship except when I was at church. Like that's where I went to be discipled as I, I got discipled at church. So talk about how um, families can be more involved in the discipleship of, of kids. I'd love to. First, and write this down, is you cannot outsource parenting and discipleship to someone. Mm. You have to, so you can't outsource parents, you have to resource parents. And youth pastors and family pastors have an amazingly hard job. And I think it's an impossible job. I think it's impossible to think of them discipling a hundred students. You have to equip parents and grandparents to do that Mm. because it just takes so much time, so much face-to-face interaction. And as much as a youth pastor or family pastor loves these kids, there's no one who loves them more than their parents, and there's no one who spends more time with them than their parents. So that's what we've seen, and really what happened for us is that that was a really humble uh, observation at Axis. We did about, um, I don't know, a ton of events to around 40,000 people, and then I I had a kid, and my, my daughter Shiloh, my wife and I, She's a lovely little girl, and I just realized, wow, like no one is going to be able to disciple her like her mother and I. And so how can we get the help that we need to disciple her when she's a little girl and as she grows up and as she hits those teenage years, what's that going to be like? Mm-hmm. I love that the the way that you guys see into what's going on with youth, like you're with them, you're spending time with them, you're, you know, so you have eyes on the culture. And I think a lot of pastors and ministry leaders are concerned about the upcoming generation. You know, there, we see a lot of articles coming out, like why young people are leaving the faith, leaving the church when they go off to college. What are you guys seeing about some of the unique things that, that are going on with today's young people? It's just a different world. Hmm. We actually had a, a parent come up to us and say, I know how to be a teenager, but I don't know how to be a teenager now. And so he recognizes, yeah, I know what it feels like to be full of hormones and the world's in front of me, but he's like, I have no idea what it feels like to have a smartphone in my pocket. So here's a couple of just amazing, interesting challenges and differences, uh, you know, with digital natives and the current teenager is the smartphone. I mean, these students have porn on demand in their pocket. They have connection to the entire world and to so many different ideas and to their friends like never before. If you don't let your kid have a smartphone, they're actually being alienated from half the conversations that are going on, which is just a really weird challenge for parents to face. Because I know many parents, they don't want to get their sixth grade or a smartphone, but they're like, well, all their friends are talking when they go home. And there used to be so much pressure at school, peer pressure, and just with your friends, and you go home and you'd be able, at least I'm safe here. Now when you go home, the internet lights up with the conversation. And so there are just multiple different strata of conversation happening with the next generation. Uh, you also have that uh, smartphones are coming out that are waterproof or water resistant. And you say, well, why do, why do they do that? Do they want us to take our, our phones into the swimming pool? And yeah, they do, but they want to own shower time. They hmm. want to own the bathroom even more so that the smartphone is always with you. It's an additional appendage. And if you ever ask yourself, if you I just if you're listening to this, have you noticed that when a student turns 16, that they're not in a hurry to get their driver's license anymore. 
Like when I turned 16 and I'm 32 years old, when I turned 16, man, I, the first day I turned 16, I had my driver's license because, and I had a little white Toyota Corolla and that was my way to have independence, to see my friends, to just drive around. Well, I've noticed that students are not in a hurry to get their driver's license. And I asked myself and asked the team and access like, why is this? And the answer is the smartphone. It's cheaper than gas and you can be connected with your friends really on your own terms. So you don't need to drive somewhere. So if you get your driver's license at 17 years old or 18 years old, that's just more natural because there's no rush for that. Mm -hmm. And talk about what are the unique faith struggles that they're having? You know, like, like, I mean, I know that that's a big question, but as, as you talk to teenagers about the faith, you're sharing the faith with them or discipling them, is there, is there unique ways that, um, like, is this generation doing faith differently? The answer to that question from our perspective, wow, what is it? Well, I think we are always trying to invite them into a bigger world, deeper into life. So we want them to see the gospel, not just as sin management and behavior management, but as this incredible narrative of God's story for the world where it started off very good. It then became cursed, and we lived in that cursed, broken, and fragmented world. But then Christ has redeemed it, and one day he will renew all things. So what I just told you there is a four-act gospel from uh, creation, curse, uh, ransom of Jesus, and renewal of all things. Most students just hear, hey, you are in trouble and you're going to go to hell. You are a sinner and you need to get saved. And they're like, great, I don't want to go to hell. And they get saved when they're six or seven or eight years old and they say, is there anything else for me? And that's because oftentimes the gospel we give them doesn't have a mission. It doesn't have a mission for this world that is life-giving, that is bigger than just the truth. You know, Jesus and God loves the truth, but the gospel is more than just about truth. It leads to life. So you have to then connect the gospel with life. And the last thing that I would say is if you can have an honest conversation with a teenager, ask them if the good news is good news to them. Do they actually believe it's good news? Because our experience is they would say no. Or they'd say, I'm confused. Or they'd say, it's just a list of rules. It's a way to not have fun. And so you've missed it until they see this overarching, amazing plan for God and reality that redeems us, that gives us mission for the world, that makes sense of work and life and marriage and relationships and love and gives a transcendent connection with God, then we've missed it. It's just avoiding hell. And that can only get you so far. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times when parents and leaders hear a lot of the stuff that's going on in the culture, how, how things are shifting, the first response is to avoid the culture, you know, kind of like what yeah. you referred to. Yeah. Don't have a cell phone. Don't watch television. Don't watch movies. Like completely separate yourself. Like let's go back to the Amish days or something. So how, how do you guys uh, minister in this context where kids are going to swim in this culture, but how do kids today be in the world and not of the world? Well, one is you have to understand what technology, what entertainment, what media is for. And you have to see it in that context because there are limitations. Because oftentimes it's just like, hey, you know, it's just it's Batman versus Superman. Let's watch it. It's going to be fun. People are going to punch each other in the face back and forth until someone gives up. Or, hey, it's, it's a new cell phone. I can take it swimming with me. Um, wow, that's really fun. And so you have to say, well, what is the overarching context of this? What is it for? Because it does get difficult because we need boundaries. Now, what are the boundaries 
for, the boundaries are for a depth of relationship. So for example, cell phones, amazing, incredible tool. Wow, how can you live without one, it seems like now. Well, at some point you do need to live without one, like at dinner time when it's valuable to make eye contact with people. Uh, maybe at night. So a lot of families are doing a cell phone curfew at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. and not letting the devices go to the bedroom with their students and even with themselves. Or I remember one mom said after a multi-generational family event we do, she said, no more laptops in bed. And that was for her and her husband. But just really establishing those boundaries, not because we hate technology, but because we love something that's better than technology and that's human beings. And so I think that's the challenge that we have to navigate is figuring out what is the bigger picture, what is more valuable. And so when do we start owning technology and stop letting it own us? That's good. You know, as you think about issues that you're taking on, uh, you guys are taking on a lot of issues and, and going kind of right at it. I One that um, I saw as I was kind of uh, looking at your website is that you guys take on gossip. And, and I love the way that you kind of go after this because I remember being in youth group and I remember talks like, you know, we should stop gossiping. And I know that, <laughs> yeah. and I know today it's like gossip is, is a completely different problem. So just walk us through kind of how your team would, would minister to the kids of today on an issue like gossip. Well, with gossip, you have to define your terms. What is it? What is it not? And I think there's a really fascinating quote by Peter Thiel. Um, he's the founder of PayPal. And he said, the future promised us flying cars, and instead we got 140 characters. So here he's alluding to Twitter, and it's just we live in a world of mouth. It's not just word of mouth anymore. It's a world of mouth. And so there's amazing conversations that are happening, but a lot of those conversations are not happening where you're sitting across from somebody, making eye contact with them, noticing their facial expressions. So we have this massive lack of empathy. And that is a huge issue. And actually, so narcissism is actually on the rise where we love ourselves more and empathy is on the decline. And so when gossip enters into that picture, especially with your students, especially with these cell phones, smartphones that are in their pockets, the, the relationships they have. Uh, another thing is just uh, to be all over the place here is you don't just have a geographical self anymore. It's not just you, Andrew, sitting across the table from me there's actually this technological self. There is this digital self that you get to curate, that you get to aggregate different things. And so there's so many girls who will never post a picture to Instagram without editing it first, like without Photoshopping it first. Of course, they don't use Photoshop. I mean, sometimes they do, but they use these other apps just to, oh, let's just raise our cheekbones a little bit. Let's get rid of that pimple right there. Let's get rid of that. And let's be a little bit thinner, a little bit trimmer. So all of a sudden you have these bifurcated human beings, this dichotomy of life that we live in where your geographical self is uncurated and then your digital self is curated. And hence you don't want to buy a driver or you don't want to get a driver's license immediately because you like your digital self better than your geographical self. So when it comes to gossip, we're able to work through some of those questions with students and, you know, ask incredible questions. I think that's a huge, a huge takeaway. If you can think of, there's so much pressure just to provide them with answers, provide them with answers, provide them with answers. Man, if you can ask a lingering question and just let it hang and let them work through it over a week or a couple of weeks or over a year as you have these multiple questions going on, that is huge. Trusting them and encouraging them to tie into their reason and to their observation of the world to come up with a conclusion from that, and you're just the guide that does that, oh, that is so incredibly powerful. You see, and here's a great statement. 
Uh, this was actually our thesis statement from back in the day. The issue is not unanswered questions. So we will always have unanswered questions. The smarter you get, the more unanswered questions you have. Rather, the issue is unquestioned answers. What are the answers that you've just assumed to be true, but you haven't questioned, that you haven't examined, that you haven't owned for yourself? Because when I started Axis, one of the things that drove me to start it is I wanted to see students stop renting their faith from their parents, and I wanted to see them make a down payment. You know, if you think of like in, in India, right, there is arranged marriages. And so if you talk to someone who's from India, they'll say, is this a marriage that was arranged or a marriage of love? I think oftentimes our faith are arranged faiths. We've been given it to us from our parents and just said, this is who you're going to be. But then is this really a faith that's been tested, that's been owned? Is it a faith that is a faith of love between you and God? Is it something that you've taken on for yourself? And that's what we're passionate about. We want to equip parents and grandparents and pastors to be able to do that, whether it's about like the topic you said of gossip, Andrew. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Another thing that I love, and I want you to talk more about, you mentioned it earlier, but it are some of the newsletters that you send out that kind of equip parents, youth pastors, anybody who's working with youth in some of these new things that are coming along in culture. So tell us a little, a little bit about that newsletter and then some of the things that your team has, has kind of been preparing you know, parents for, the, the, like technologies that are coming. Great. So I have a team that's over 20 people. And this is what we do all day, every day. We just spend time with students. We think about the world. We examine it. And we kind of put it through the Christian worldview filter. And so we really see ourselves as your research assistant. So what you need to do is you need to go sign up for the Culture Translator right now. It's on our website at axis.org. But you can also, if you just have your smartphone with you, you just text the word culture to the number 44222. So just text the word culture to the number 44222, and they'll ask you for your, uh, the, the robots will ask you for your email address, and you can sign up for that. And that comes out every Friday, and it's simple. It's just three minutes, and it says, this is what happened in your kid's life. And again, this is going to equip you to make great conversations. Another thing that we have are our virtual trainings, as Andrew mentioned earlier. This is a subscription for churches, for Christian schools, and for parents. You can see it on our website. And this is more like spiritual formation. So we tackle a huge question, or actually four huge topics every year. So we just recently did gender, life, gossip, and evangelism. This upcoming year, we're looking at, can I trust the Bible? What do I do with pornography? What about entrepreneurship and leadership? And then finally, prayer. And there's going to be a resource that drops every single month that will help you take your students deeper into life. And you kind of, you, you play the video and then it facilitates amazing conversations and questions for you and your students. And then of course we do live events. And so you're thinking you're at a church and you want to help equip parents and grandparents to own the discipleship of the students at your church. And there's so many churches who are starting to think this way. Access can come in and have an incredible weekend where we talk about social media and we talk about, man, the Bible's boring and how do we understand that? Why do we think it's boring? Why is it not boring? Uh, we also look at media and entertainment. So all these hot topic issues to convert families to a larger gospel. And so families walk away feeling closer than ever, but also equipped to have those weekly conversations, those daily conversations. Because our goal this year is to start a quarter million conversations every single week. And we can't do that without working alongside parents, pastors, and grandparents. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of those things that you see coming in the culture. You know, I know that 
there's things I hear about like virtual reality and the ways that social media are changing and different things. What are some of those things that you guys see that are coming? I mean, you even mentioned the waterproof cell phones and how a lot of times parents hear about this stuff and they don't know it's a problem until their kid already has one or, um, right. you know, are already using it. And so how do parents stay ahead far enough to be able to determine how, how can I lead my kids well? <laughs> well, um, you can't. You just can't. And I don't want that to be depressing to you, but that's why Axis exists is we want to help you because you're busy. You're tired as a parent. You've got a million things going on. You're being a taxi driver for your kid who won't get their driver's license yet mm. and taking them all over the world. So how do you how do you stay on top of that? Well, we can help you with that. But I love this. Uh, this is a quote from my mother-in-law, my wonderful, blessed beautiful mother-in-law. <laughs> and um, it's pretty much this idea that you used to be able to police everything that your kids did, but now you can't because it's coming to them from every angle, whether it's their pocket or their peers in school. And so instead of preparing the path for your child, you have to prepare your child for the path. And so, for example, it used to be like when I answered the phone, I would say, hello, this is the Eaton residence. May I ask who's speaking? And the reason I said that, Andrew, is because my parents said that's how you answer the phone. And the phone was corded, it was plugged into the wall, and that's just reality. Well, guess what? Now, the next instead of getting wisdom from parents to the next generation, the next generation is teaching their parents, no, Dad, this is how you do Instagram. You do not heart your own photo. How dare you, Father, do that? <laughs> or, Mom, this is how you text. This is how an emoji works. So there's been this flip of understanding and wisdom that's being transferred. And that's kind of scary because it goes to your student first. So for example, let's just do a, like an overview of social media. Social media 1.0 is Facebook. It comes out, it's text-based, it's article-based. Sometimes you put some pictures up there and it's based off of the laptop. Then you move to social media 2.0. And these are things that go to mobile first before they go to the laptop. So it's designed for your pocket. So you think of Snapchat or you think of Instagram. And so that's what that's designed for. And guess what? It's image-based now. So it's for a post-literate audience. And then the third one is Meerkat. Social Media 3.0 is like Meerkat and Periscope. These are live video broadcasting. And so you're just seeing, you're watching people sleep or you're watching someone open up a jar of cookies or something like that. You're just kind of spying on their life and they're broadcasting it. And then finally, Social Media 4.0, sorry for dragging you through this, is virtual reality. Man, virtual reality headsets are real and they are here. And what's terrifying is like one of the world's major porn sites has virtual reality porn now. And so, um, and this is working with smartphones or a $600 headset that you would buy. But just imagine not going to the doctor anymore, but slipping on a virtual reality headset. Imagine not watching a, a sports game or going to a sports game, but slipping on a virtual reality headset. Imagine not going to church anymore and just waking up and slipping on a virtual reality headset. With my daughter, Shiloh, who's three and a half years old, I think this is going to be the social media challenge for me as a parent with her, because there's gonna be such a different virtual reality that she's invited in and her friends are gonna be living in. And so how do I parent her through that? We'll yeah. see. Yeah, and does the technology ever get to a point where we should just completely abandon it and say, you know what, there's no benefit to some of these things? Or do you feel like the church can always think about what are the, what are the good, like, because I feel like the, up to this point, yeah, the church has always thought, oh, there's, there's ways we can use this to our benefit. Like we can be on Twitter. We can use some of these things to expand our own ministries and things. But as, as the, is there ever a point where you feel like, oh man, we just, it's, it's, this is a dangerous place to go. Well, 
What's amazing about the world we live in now, and if you're a pastor listening to this, is that we are starving for connection. I mean, we are more connected than ever before, but more, we're more lonely than ever before. So there's this real opportunity for vulnerability and real human connection that the gospel reaches into. And then with technology, that is such a, I mean, that's a question I think we will always be asking. And there are times where you have to say, you know what, um, total abstinence is better than perfect moderation, and I can't have perfect moderation. So for you, you might need to take email off of your cell phone because it's just owning you. And when you lay down in bed at night, it's the last thing you look at. It's the first thing you look at in the morning. And so it's just controlling you. Or for someone who's very tempted by pornography, which is most people in this world, you might need to say, yeah, I'm going to set up some boundaries where I don't have an internet search ability, or I'm going to download Covenant Eyes or some other accountability software on there. So I think it's all about boundaries, but even more about boundaries, it's about that bigger worldview, that bigger picture of God's amazing story for the world, where he says, I made the world very good, and I put humanity at the center of it to protect it and keep it and cultivate it. And technology is just a form of cultivation. So you can use that technology. I don't think technology is neutral. I think it is very good, but cursed. And so we have to say, wow, here's a brick. I can build a hospital with it, or I can throw it through a window. Oh, wow, here's a cell phone. I can use it to connect on interesting ways. Like some of the most amazing things that I've seen with cell phones is when parents humble themselves and they use Snapchat to connect with their daughters or they use texting to start the conversation with their sons, and then that drives to -to face-to-face interaction. Wow, that's a huge win. That's a way to take something that's very good but cursed and redeem it. But if we don't, and we don't, if we leave it unchecked and just say, oh, it's neutral, then it will consume us. That's the goal of it. It will take all of our time. We won't even have regular dinners anymore. We won't know how to to make eye contact, and lo and behold, we'll be in the shower, and we'll be checking our email. Mm Mm-hmm. And do you feel like that's the goal is to get to a point where you could have these healthy conversations, these healthy in-person relationships. And so as technology helps us and facilitates that, it's good. But if it replaces that or draws back from that, then it then it's bad. Oh, completely. Mm. But just know, we have to know that there are, um, here's what you should do. You should watch a movie and, you know, watch the Avengers or watch some of these superheroes movies. And then at the very end, see how many thousand people are working on this. And when you realize, just think of a church, you know, you have 10 people on staff, or maybe you have 30 people if you're a really big church on, and so you have all these people on staff. Well, imagine if you had 2,000 people on staff, which is what one of these major films has. Or also think about the apps that we use. There are so many people on staff that are targeting your psychological triggers. Man, just think of video games. Andrew, I am so thankful that when I grew up, that video games were not as developed as they are now because I loved them back then. Imagine now there are so many different psychological keys and twists and and triggers that would draw me into that and draw me into accomplishing things in this video game that would keep me out of the real world. Man, I would save the princess a thousand times in the video game, but am I capable of asking a girl out or treating her with respect or just making eye contact with her in the real world? Well, video games are gonna challenge that. And so now there are a huge staff creating these apps and these video games and these movies, and they know what our triggers are. They know what's going to get us addicted to this. And so we have to be super 
super wise. I wouldn't say careful. I don't want to be fearful, but we have to be wise when we interact with these and give healthy boundaries to ourselves first and then to our kids because they're going to be watching us and watching how much time we spend with these things and how we spend it. But again, it's always for that greater good of deeper relationships, more connection with God, a bigger picture of reality, being a part of his story for the world, not just yelling at the darkness. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be about creating light. That's really good. Talk to the senior pastor who's listening, who, you know, is kind of like, man, I'm just thankful we have a youth pastor because I just let him (laughs) worry about all this. How can, how can senior pastors be a part of the ministry to the youth in the church or or come alongside, uh, you know, and lead that initiative? Because I think a lot of pastors like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on with today's youth. So I'm just going to hire a young, you know, youth pastor and he can do it, deal with it. So, so talk about that dynamic a little bit. Well, if you're a senior pastor, beware of uh, dividing your church. Don't just say, oh, you're an annoying sixth grader. We're going to go stick you in this ghetto over here. All the elementary kids, oh, you go over here in this other area. Oh, you're older, you know, you're 70 years or you're 60 years plus. Oh, we're going to put you in a separate place. The church needs to be interconnected, intergenerational, We need the wisdom of the older generation and the wonder of the younger generation. And that is really hard to do because everyone thinks of church as a commodity and they all come because they want this type of music or that type of experience. But there is something powerful that happens when you connect the generations. And that, I mean, even if you look at Sticky Faith and Fuller Youth Institute and all their their studies, you've got to resource parents and not outsource them. You need to have intergenerational faith communities where the wisdom of the younger and the wonder of the elder are combined. And then you need to teach the gospel in a big picture where it's not behavior management. Youth pastors have a super hard job, and we actually serve a lot of churches who have stopped doing the youth pastor model because they just keep losing youth pastors. Youth pastors come in, and 18 months later, they're burnt out and they're gone. And then all of a sudden, students are just having a really confused understanding of like, what is this faith and who's my mentor and who's my leader? And even churches who say, wow, we have so many kids in fifth grade. We, if we could hire 10 youth pastors and they still wouldn't be able to disciple these kids, we have got to resource parents instead. So as you're a senior pastor, I mean, one, sign up for our culture translator. Get all your parents to sign up for our culture translator. That will be a huge resource to you. And I mean, that would just make our hearts happy. Host a multi-generational come-together event that really casts a vision for family discipleship. And then just be thinking of all the different ways that you can connect the generations. And really that helps support the youth pastor. So when you have a youth pastor, they can start thinking about um, being more thinking in the lines of, oh, I'm a youth pastor, but I'm a family pastor. I'm equipping parents to disciple their kids. That's the paradigm shift we have got to see in the church. That's great. And I, I remember when I read Sticky Faith, like that one of the things was kids having an adult in their lives who had a strong faith um, was a high predictor of them themselves holding onto their own faith. And I always thought that was fascinating. Um, and I think that it speaks to what you're saying is that we need to not just be grandma who, you know, gives gifts on Christmas and Easter or whatever, but somebody who's like, no, I'm actively discipling my grandchildren. Same with, with parents. And I think that that uh, that's a powerful paradigm shift that a lot of families need to make is that no discipleship isn't something that you do at youth group or at Sunday school, but it's something that you get every day as a part of um, what's happening in our home. So, yeah. The church equips discipleship to happen in the home mm. and please don't forget about grandparents. They are an amazing, amazing resource. They oftentimes they're in one of the final few chapters of their life. 
They're starting to think about legacy in a brand new way. They're starting to see the world for what it really is. They may not be as busy and overwhelmed as a parent is, and they are ready to leverage their influence. And man, I will tell you, we were up in Canada. We actually serve a lot of uh, a lot of folks in Canada, and we love Canada. And there was this girl, and she was at a Christian school, and she was an atheist, and she wouldn't talk to her mom and her dad because, you know what? She had really hurt her parents' feelings by choosing to be an atheist. And they were mad at each other, and they were always just kind of hostile um, because her parents were scared to death. Their daughter is going to hell at this point. And what is happening, and it's embarrassing to them, and they love her so much. And guess who slides into the game? It's Grandpa. Grandpa just kind of eases on in. He sees the big picture. He sees the long play. And you know what? That granddaughter of his, who's an atheist, loves her grandpa. And her grandpa loves her, and he tells her about God. He tells her about the world. He's compassionate and gracious. And his, his feelings are a little bit less hurt than the parents. And so because he has that position, that understanding, he is able to minister to her. He is able to invite her into the faith in a way that the parents aren't at this point in time. And that is awesome. I love seeing grandmas and grandpas. Love, I mean, some grandparents, all they do is buy iPads and just throw them at the kids and kind of walk away. But most grandparents just feel kind of shunned. Mm-hmm. They feel left out because they're in the traditional service with all the other people with gray hair. And yet they know that they have a passion for the next generation. They have a passion for their grandchildren. And they want to help. They want to be equipped for that. And they will do a lot. They will really lean into that and um, submit to a lot of challenges where they're having to translate through their their culture into the younger culture just to reach those grandchildren. Well, David, it is such a pleasure to have you in the studio here. Your work with Axis is something that I've appreciated since the early days, and it's just so fun to see all the new things that you guys are doing. So thanks for sharing with us. And I think that um, I hope that so many people that are listening to this are going to get connected with what you guys are doing and the resources that you're providing. I think it's just top of the line stuff. And so we'll we'll put uh, in the show notes links to how people can can connect with you guys and sign up for newsletters and everything that you guys are doing. And so, but above all that, thank you so much for being with us today. Great. And let me say one more thing. I believe in the church. I believe in the pastors and the youth pastors who are listening to this. You have a hard job. The culture is throwing curveballs and knuckleballs left and right. If there's any way that we can come alongside your church and make your life a little bit easier, be your research assistant, lean in to the work that Axis is doing. That's why we exist. And let's start a quarter million conversations every single week between parents and the next generation. And parents are the future. They are. We have to help resource them. We can't outsource them. We have to resource them to reach their children. So let's do this together. And again, thank you for all the hard work that you're doing. Big thanks to David Eaton for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sending it to somebody that you know who might benefit from listening to it. Also, make sure to download the show notes for this episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. The show notes always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve the podcast or guests we should talk to, you can email me at podcast at churchleaders.com. Those emails come right to me, and I always enjoy hearing from you, our listeners. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.